The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit ConflictHealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about being happy at work. In fact, I've been reading this wonderful book called Happier at Work, The Power of Love to Transform the Workplace, and this is written by Gail Van Gills. And I can't remember how I found her, but I found the book and I thought it was something that we want to talk about on this show because we talk about fighting for love to turn conflict into collaboration. And you can have love at work. Hopefully it's not the kind that's going to cause a sexual harassment lawsuit, but you can have it at work. So first of all, let me tell you a little bit about Gail, who is our guest, Gail helps entrepreneurs, leaders, and everyone else to be the change that they want to see in the world. She is a personal and business mindfulness trainer and founder of the consulting and coaching company, Transform Your Culture. She helps to bring awareness to aligning corporate and employee values as a certified Barrett Values Center consultant. She also is the author of this book I just told you about, Happier at Work, The Power of Love to Transform the Workplace. And this is a practical guide for developing the powers of intention, attention, stress reduction, communication, and collaboration, which is what we foster here. She's a certified teacher of Search Inside Yourself, the mindfulness and emotional intelligence program developed at Google. As a mindfulness trainer, she meditates. Her meditations are popular on the app Simple Habit, and she is a meditation teacher at in the Shambhala lineage. And I didn't have a chance to tell her yet, but I'm going to tell you now, Gail, thank you so much for joining us. And believe it or not, Gail, I have been meditating since... I was 18 years old, and and I hate to tell you how long ago that was, but um, <laughs> when I was at the University of Wisconsin way, way back, and so I've been a meditator, uh, transcendental meditation for a real long time. So I'm, Well, Mari, thank you for inviting me here, and I'm really glad to hear that. I'm not surprised to hear that since your work is around love and collaboration. Yeah, so this is really wonderful. Let's let's talk about um, why you wrote this book and uh, tell us about why you talked about love in the workplace. Well, that's a great question because why I wrote the book is, is that for really decades, I have been leading programs and retreats 
on meditation to help people just get in touch with themselves, get in touch with their nature, learn to relax, learn to, to release stress, and learn to be more aware. Well, what I found over time, over and over and over again, that was on Sunday, after two days of practicing meditation and sharing feelings and opening up, people were literally in tears about how could they bring this open heart into work. They would be crushed. They wanted to know, how can I shut back down? Which just seemed so sad to me. Because basically what they were saying was that their workplace was a place of fear. So they needed to be guarded. They couldn't bring their whole open, bubbly self into work. They had to control themselves so they wouldn't be hurt. So I, I started thinking about this because I have a background both in the meditation and also an MBA from UCLA. And I've been working in the business world for decades as well. And I thought, how can I bring these two worlds together? So that's why I wrote the book. Yeah, that's so important. You know, I teach mindfulness training to attorneys. And you can imagine, <laughs> you know, what that's like for them because there's so much stress. All they do is deal with conflict all day. Unless they're right. writing wills and trusts and transactional. But, yeah, they need to do something as well, which is why I stopped litigating because I, I didn't want to have to be in that fight or flight or freeze type mm -hmm. of, of mentality, which meditation is so good about bringing us from that, that amygdala where we're so reactive into our frontal lobes where we can really be centered and peaceful and all that good stuff. So you have a wonderful sub subtitle, The Power of Love to Transform the Workplace. That sounds um, touchy-feely, I bet, to all your MBA friends, right? <laughs> well, it's interesting. There, was, there were a lot of people who said, don't use the love word. But of course, I wanted to because it is provocative. And as I said, I see love as the opposite of fear. Not right. talking about love, like you say, in terms of sexual love, right. but love as the um, emotion that opens us up. Our, you know, when we feel love, our heart kind of like bursts. There's this feeling in our chest. There's this feeling literally throughout our body of opening. Yes. And that opening is what allows connection to others. And so when we're closed down, we're self-involved, we're in self-preservation mode, or, you know, as you say, all the way to fight or flight, amygdala hijack. But even if we're not there, if we're not um, open, then we don't really hear other people. We don't really connect. So that's why I used love, because it is this emotion that opens us and connects us to others. Right. No, I'm 100% with you. <laughs> that's why we, are, are, we call this... Uh, fighting for love because that's what we're really all of us are doing every day with yeah. in you know in every kind of relationship we're really fighting to have that love that connection right so it mm -hmm. makes so much mm -hmm. sense to me so you know people might say oh you know I don't think I can ever be happy at work is you know is there certain types of workplaces that are happier or is it really each of us ourselves decide to be happy well, of course, we're all responsible to, to an important degree for our own happiness in terms of our attitude and how we relate to things. So that being said, there are workplaces that are 
happier or more conducive to creativity, collaboration, joy, connecting to your purpose, however you want to look at it. There are some that really cultivate that, and they're very smart because happier people do better work. So those workplaces that, that allow you to share all of yourself, which includes being curious and interested in how are you today? You know, what's going on with your family? Are there any problems that we should know about? Or is there anything going on for you that could, you know, impede your work? Is there anything we can do to support you? Those kinds of questions, workplaces that allow that amount of um, personal sharing are places where people can be happier because they can be connected in a very genuine way to what they're doing. And also places that um, take the time to get to know the employees and make help make that connection between the employees' values and sense of, of purpose and the purpose of the company. So it doesn't have to be that the purpose of the individual is, um, well, I'll give you an example. So, so I, there was a uh, person who was a janitor at the uh, NASA launch center. And when somebody asked him why he was so happy at work, he said that it was because he was putting a man on the moon. So something about that environment allowed him at whatever level his job was to identify with the purpose of the company so that he was happier. He could do his job, whatever his level of work was, keeping the place clean so that the work could be done, helped to put a man on the moon. So I, I think that people can be happy at work. They have to take that responsibility themselves to make the connection. But the workplace also has a role in that. Right. What a beautiful unifying factor for them, you know, from everyone thinking, you know, this that we're unity, we're putting a man on the moon. And that is, right. if, if everybody can buy in to what the mission is and feel mm-hmm. a part of it, obviously that's going to be helpful for everybody. So that's great. Um, you know, you, uh, you talk about, um, you know, the fact that so many of us are stressed. I... I for those who don't really understand what we're talking about mindfulness, I was thinking maybe we should go back and really explain what we mean by mindfulness. So mindfulness is a natural capacity that we have to be aware. It's really kind of that simple. It's paying attention to what's happening, both internally, like what am I feeling, what am I thinking, what's happening right now for me, and what's going on around me. What are other people, what messages am I getting from my world? That's mindfulness. It's actually this, uh, this natural ability to tune in. And often we don't do that. We get sort of pulled away by uh, rumination or thoughts or worries or going over and over something from the past or anticipating something in the future, and we're not actually present and aware and mindful. So that's what we're talking about. It's not something woo-woo. It's uh, really pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the challenge is with all of the social media and on our cell phones, you know, you and I were just talking about our iPhones. I mean, we're tethered to these things that distract us as well, right? Right. 
And I think that, right. that keeps us from being, you know, I, when, when, um, you know, when I go out to eat and I look at people at, at the, at the table, a lot of them are like, you know, talking, but they're also looking at their iPhones at the same time. So yeah, what a, a disconnect? Yeah, a, a huge disconnect. Yeah, and I think that mindfulness is something that makes you aware that you're doing that. I mean, I have this conversation with my coaching clients all the time. I mean, they're looking for advice on um, time management and overwhelm, and then when we look at how much they allow themselves to be distracted, they find all the time that they want. It's just, do they have the discipline, the mindfulness, <laughs> to not keep turning on the phone and checking the email every two seconds. So, so this mindfulness not only is a natural capacity, but it's something we can train. It's something we can notice the sort of reactive impulse and then let it go. Yeah. So it's a training at the same time that it's something natural to us. Yeah. And I think it's hard, like even for me, you know, I at, when I'm at the computer, I'm doing something and then I know that there's emails coming in and I have clients that are demanding. They want to know the answer right away. They think that everything should be instantaneous, right? Mm -hmm. So they yep. want to have an answer to their email right away. Like today, <laughs> I had from this one set of clients, I had like 10 emails that they needed to know right away the answer. And so that kind of was distracting when I was trying to write an article at the same time. So, you know, I am, even though I'm pretty mindful and I meditate all the time, I was mindful that this was happening and I was mindful that I was not watching my own boundaries enough to say, I will answer all of these, you know, at such and such a time. <laughs> but well, I mean, I think you're, you're saying something really important. So, what, for instance, to get on this call, I turned off all my email. I turned off every notification on my phone. I mean, you actually have, I mean, something important might come through, but so what? I'll deal with it later. I mean, we have to be able to turn things off yes. and give ourselves permission to focus. Right. Otherwise, we will be always stressed and overwhelmed. We will always think we should be doing that next thing that someone else wants us to do. Right. So so we really need to understand our own priorities and then stick with them. Right. That you know, it, 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 that again is a discipline. So um it's a discipline yeah. and uh, luckily I own my own business although I am the employee of my clients, so I have to try and accommodate them, mm -hmm. but I have to set boundaries. And I think sometimes when you're working for another you know, you're a boss, you may not have that same kind of, uh, you know, being able to set boundaries, you know, that's, that can be a challenge. But I think if you stay calm from doing your mindfulness, um, you can do, you know, you can set the boundaries a little bit easier. When we're talking about mindfulness, um, in, ter in terms of getting there, like you and I have been talking about meditation and some people say, I don't meditate, I run. So how are the, what would you say are the different ways that you can become more mindful other than just meditation? Well, I, okay, so there's, I'm going to have a two-part answer. One is, of course, um, running, where you begin to tune into uh, your body and the environment you're running through and, and so any sport like that, you are very aware 
and you're in the moment. So that is a form of being mindful. Or yoga has a very similar um, effect in terms of tuning into the, your breathing and the body. The difference is for meditation, and I'm, again, I'm not saying that we need to do meditation, but if we want to bring this ability to um, be able to, to disrupt distraction or, or conquer overwhelm or take a pause before we do something, the easiest thing to transfer to the workplace is the ability to be able to tune in to your own body through breathing, which is, you know, meditation breathing practice. So that's why I think that is used so often as an example, because once you practice for even a minute, two, three to five minutes on a cushion of noticing that your thoughts pull you away and then you can come back to your breathing in and your breathing out and your breathing in and your breathing out and then you start thinking again and then you notice and you come back. Well, then you can use that discipline that you're training. You're, you're actually changing your brain by giving it that, that ability to build a neuronal bridge back from thought to being present to your breathing, to being in the moment. You can use that then in the midst of a difficult situation at work, you can take a deep breath or maybe three breaths and then tune into your mind, your body, and what's really going on. And so I think that kind of um, mindfulness that's very portable yes. is more related to the meditation than to the running, but running certainly is another form of being aware. Right, right. And I think you're making a very good point. Like, even though I meditate in the morning, like I get up early and I do that before I do anything else. But um, before I walk into a, a hot room, you know, mediation where everybody's in conflict, I always stop and I take a few minutes to just go within. I close my eyes. I I concentrate on my breathing. I, you know, I kind of visualize everybody being calm and happy so that when we do that kind of stuff where we just do some breathing and we get ourselves centered, that changes not only our brain, but it changes our energy. So that's if, right. You know, so if you no, have a difficult, uh, you're going to go in with your boss and you had some difficult things that you need to talk over with your boss and you do that ahead of time, you're going to walk in a little more calm and your energy will be calm and that's going to be affecting everybody else in the room too. It's true and it's something you can do while in the room in the heat of the moment. So right. there's this really simple practice at which you know, the acronym for it is STOP. So if things are getting really intense you could just stop the one you just stop you don't say something back immediately which is the s t take a breath o observe what you're feeling so once you've observed what you're feeling you're moving out of your reactive mind back into your body and then p is proceed so you've just given yourself this brief interlude where you've interrupted the reactive mind and you can even share that at your mediations. You can say, look, I want to just teach you a little trick. If we get too hot here, let's all do this. Let's stop. Let's stop, take a breath, observe what we're feeling, and then we can go on. 
Yeah, I it, have the. It, I, I have something very similar. I tell them the three P's: pause. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the second one? Oh, well, for those people who are spiritual, say pause, pray, proceed, or pause. Um, put you know what's I forgot the other P I use when they're not spiritual. <laughs> Okay. But but That's but the okay. three P's and I'll think of it in a second. But yeah, but but it's the same thing. Pause is a huge one because right. that'll get you away from reacting, right? And and you know when you start a meeting, it's the same kind of thing. People are coming in with all sorts of emotional baggage and agendas and whatever, and it's kind of crazy energy at the beginning of a meeting, any kind of meeting, let alone a mediation meeting. Right, right. And you can just say, instead of asking them to do something, you can actually take it personally as a leader. You can say, wow, I just need a minute to gather my thoughts. Do you mind if we just sit for 30 seconds and and be quiet so that I can land here? So you're totally owning it. Oh, that's but an you're interesting. you're also giving everyone else that permission mm-hmm. to settle settle themselves down and get present. Yeah, that's a good idea. I, I usually start out with some, you know, some real positive thing and give them food. <laughs> well, that's you, also good. You know, right. <laughs> I welcome them. I'm very friendly. I'm, I'm honoring them for trying to come to settlement instead of kill each other in court. So I do my little song and dance to at least do the energy, but I never thought of just doing that. I'll tell you what I do. You'll get a kick out of anytime somebody starts to raise their voice. I have an Asian bell that I, that I hit and it, I, and I tell them if, if I ever hit this bell, that means everybody stops and you wait until the song goes away. Uh, because Beautiful. yeah, it's a way of re re um, you know resetting your brain, so that yeah. you're not uh, getting hijacked like you you were talking about before. But yeah, but yeah, I I, I think the the funny thing is when I was thinking when you were talking about you can do this you know and we talked about doing it before you walk in the meeting, you can't run in the middle of a meeting, <laughs> you know, you can't do yeah. that. So so breathing is, you know, getting in touch with the breath is the fastest, easiest, more, most portable way of going about this, right? So, Absolutely. It's yeah. very convenient. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you aren't breathing, you're dead, so you always <laughs> yeah. have it. Well, instead of going, <laughs> you know, like that, you know, we're, we're talking well, that's about... Part, okay, so that's part of the observe. Yep. If you observe that that's what's going on, you say, I need to take a moment. Because that means that you are emotionally out of control. Right, right. So that's mindfulness, is noticing that. Right, right. So um, in terms of training, um, you know, how easy is it for, for corporations to incorporate training, that you know, mindfulness training? Do you think that you know, is there a backlash like saying, oh, well, if we train you to might be mindful, um, then, you know, we're kind of getting into the realm of religion and we shouldn't be doing that. What about when someone says that? I've heard that before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no need to use a word in a place that's not going to be comfortable with it. So, I mean, if you, you can talk about, I mean, I talk about engagement. Let's increase engagement through awareness connection and better performance. Those are all dimensions of that are benefited by mindfulness. 
So you don't have to use the word mindfulness. It really, we, we know that that's a tool, but as I said, that's a natural capacity we all have, no matter what our religion or whether we have no religion. So we're really just becoming self-aware and, and able to manage our own emotions and able to notice and care about what's going on with others and able to interact more intelligently with them and make better decisions. And that actually is emotional intelligence. Right. So really we're just, we're training emotional intelligence. So the idea of mindfulness is it's the breathing is just something you can do that all human beings can do to get them out of their head, out of fear, out of rumination, out of every single way that we get pulled away from being able to complete the task that we're trying to complete. So if you can just breathe and get back in your body, it's just just this shift that makes everything open up again. Yeah, I mean, there is definitely, everybody can feel that energy change. When I meditate in the morning, my golden retriever, you know, comes down with me. <laughs> you know, my husband's sleeping in bed and and the and even my little Boston Terrier sleeps. But my golden comes and he just, let, I start, I do a sigh and I hear him sigh. Well, you know, <laughs> so he meditates with funny. me. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story about that. I just I completely forgot about this. Years ago, I lived in a house that had a loft-like space. And somehow, a bird had gotten in my house. And he was freaking out because he was caught, like, in this loft-like right. space, which was where, what my office. And he was trying to get out the window, but he was, like, banging and he was frantic and I was frantic and I opened the window and he was still banging Uh. then I sat down and I just started breathing and I calmed myself down and when I calmed myself down he sat down on the windowsill and then just flew right out (laughs) yep yep it's a universal thing right it's it's contagious so that's why it's so powerful if you can walk into a meeting where you can you know take responsibility just for getting yourself under control, then everybody else has permission to do it. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, people that are, you know, into power and stuff might not understand that mindfulness uh, leads to greater confidence and personal power. Talk about that a little bit. Well, basically, genuine confidence comes not from um, having power over others or measuring what you can do, but from knowing yourself and your strengths and your sort of internal inherent goodness. Right. I mean, that's really the source of confidence. And the only way to be in touch with that kind of calm, deep power that can't be shaken by anybody else is to know how to be quiet enough to feel yourself, to be self-aware. So it really is the secret of most truly powerful people is that they know how to tap into their genuine self instead of depending on uh, some kind of bluster or arrogance or comparison or putting others down. So truly powerful people, really many of them have a sense of calm that also emanates from them. Yeah, what a perfect way to end. We are just about out of time, and I've been reading this wonderful book that we've been talking about with Gail Van Gills. It's called Happier 
at work, the power of love to transform the workplace. So if you could just give your website now, Gail, it's time to go. Okay, well, this went so fast because I had such a great time. My website oh. is transformyourculture.com. And if you come there, there's all sorts of ways to interact with my material and free courses and all sorts of fun things to do. Well, that is terrific. And we will stay in touch. And thank you for writing this wonderful book. And we will talk to you again soon, okay? Well, thank you for the opportunity, Mari. Okay, great. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 830 and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. you got to fight both night and day. Doesn't matter what some people may say. Fighting for love is worth fighting for.